Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. You may have been thinking, these guys were, were doing a lot of books, and then we had this little break with Valentine's Day. And No, no, we, we managed to not read anything this week. I mean, I read something, but we didn't read anything for the podcast. So we are going to interlude um, this week, but we're going to try and keep it book-related. And I think that until we get to that late part in the podcast where it just kind of disintegrates and us talking about like shit from work and stuff. I think we can pull this off. Yeah. Uh, we actually have, sometimes we come into an interlude just like knowing we're going to talk and that's it. And we actually have more than one, one thing to talk about. So that's, um, that's encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> it's the enthusiasm. Just yeah. Oozing. <laughs> <laughs> We have uh, the first thing we want to talk about is there's been some news and this really led uh, to the decision to, to talk about this as a general topic. Um, it, it's kind of the podcast has been on long enough that we're starting to see books that we've reviewed and mostly, at least in this case, enjoyed um, being made into movies and TV shows and stuff. Yeah. And that really speaks to the longevity of the podcast. Now, I know, you know, you might be listening and you may also listen to like the Joe Rogan experience. And I think that's been going for like 10 years or whatever. So we're not at that level. Right. But when you think about it, year one, it was almost impossible for us to review a recent book and have it be made into a movie. So, you know, there's a process yeah. and there's time involved and stuff. But uh, the cool thing is that uh, and I'll start with this week's news, a head full of ghosts movie news right yeah i mean we kind of saw that coming i think we may have talked about it when we were doing the podcast but uh it is it has come to fruition there is uh there is significant news um going on around it yeah so i think that the ongoing knowledge that we had um from when it was optioned was that focus features i think is the name of the company yeah focus features was the company that optioned it and that it was gonna be made by robert by Iron Man, right? It was going to be made mm -hmm. by Iron Man. Yep. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s production company. Um, the news is that they've chosen a director. Um, and it's a director that I'm not familiar with. So I'm hoping maybe you know a little bit. But Osgood Perkins is the name of the person who is going to direct the Headful of Ghosts movie. I um, Here's what I know. I don't know anything about directors. But he did uh, direct The Black Coat's Daughter and I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. Now, I did try to watch I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, and it didn't go so well for me. Uh -oh. um, visually, mm -hmm. it, it seemed really cool. I think it was the story. Now, the only reason I tried, I, I tried watching, I can tell you, I was, I was on vacation. I was trying to watch this in a hotel room. So maybe that had something to do with me being kind of distracted, you know, mm -hmm. like yeah. I'd be out doing other things. Um, I don't remember what her name is, but um, Alice from Luther is the central and essentially, you know, basically the only character in, in the entire movie. I mean, there's not, it's not a big cast. So I tried watching it cause I really liked her, but I, I didn't get very far. But from what I did see of that and thinking about head full of ghosts, I could see this being a good match. Good. Well, it's nice that you had, it seems like you like the visual style of it. Um, yeah. And I could, I could see, I could see him using that style in Head Full of Ghosts and it working very well. Sweet. That's good news for Paul Tremblay. We, I mean, another thing that um, longevity on a podcast gives you is like the the starts and stops of, of a book being turned into 
a movie so you know years and years and years have gone by and we've still been waiting for this movie that's been optioned or we talked to an author who sold the rights like you know 10 times over and stuff like that so like to see the kind of traction where people are starting to get attached to a project is is a good sign you know like it's not in production or anything yet but like at least they have some of the key, <laughs> the key elements to it <laughs> well that's yeah so when when a movie is optioned um you know, like you said, it can be done over and over. And, and, and then the, the terrible thing that happens there is you wind up with, and this has happened, I'm struggling to remember when, but a few times where you wind up with a real piece of shit movie because the option's expiring. Oh, my God. It happens all the time with, it. like, comic book movies and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I'm trying to think there was – I know the Halloween series suffered from that a little bit. Mm. in some of those weirder later movies but yeah there have been a number where they just they just push out some garbage because they own the rights to it and they don't want to lose the money they put in also works well for the author i know craig clevenger has optioned the contortious handbook multiple times which is awesome for him because he keeps getting paid for it now what might work better is a blockbuster movie where he makes a lot more money and then gets all of his other stuff bought up you know what i mean but ultimately it's uh Instead of making a piece of garbage, I'd be much happier to see these guys get uh, more money for their for their hard work, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, the, the endless optioning, the only upside to that is, like, you're getting the money, but you're never getting disappointed by a bad product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but, like, yeah. Um, I'm looking at the article that Paul Tremblay posted. There's scant information um, uh, about the film, so there's no, like, date of that they're going to start production or... Like some of these, what did I see? Um, I can't remember what movie it was the other day, but it was like a big announcement that oh, I think it was the next Star Wars one. They were announcing the ne- the final one in the the big trilogy. They were announcing like the start of filming, and it's like who who cares? But like I guess when you're a big enough movie, even just the fact that you start filming the movie is like a newsworthy thing. Oh, for sure. And I think for for movies of that magnitude, I think that the excitement is there for the potential of like leaked information. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like who's there? What are the, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What are these little like, you know, chicken things? Yeah. What are these little chicken? That's what this that's what I think the new Star Wars movie is going to be called or the final one in the new trilogy. (laughs) These little chicken things. (laughs) Did you see? I know I'm getting us off track, but did you see the um, last Jedi I did see it, yes. I don't know if we talked about this before or not. Probably the best scene, and I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, is when Chewbacca straight up cooked up one of those little pork guys. Yeah. And he's ready to chow down on it. That was great. That was the highlight of the movie for me, too. Yeah. If I'm being <laughs> honest, that, that was the best. I thought this would this is the path Star Wars should go down. <laughs> um, I'm uh, While we're on Star Wars, I, I, uh, I, I didn't like The Last Jedi a whole lot. It was okay. Um, hmm. I, I still haven't seen Rogue Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah, I've not seen yeah. Rogue One, but I I am a little bit excited about Solo. So that's kind of where I'm at with the new, with the new Star Wars movies. Um, Solo. I, all right. So I I think I've seen it all. So like I saw obviously the two, um, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and then there was Rogue One. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. So I saw Rogue One. <laughs> Rogue One, uh, I don't know. It was all right. And I'm just not getting excited by this Han Solo trailer at all. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing I like about Solo, so in the in the 80s, I guess, 
I read a few Han Solo standalone novels um, when Lucasfilm was still allowing people to do that. And then he yeah. pulled it all back and nobody could do it. And then he, you know, when in the late 90s, I think it was, you know, he allowed people to just write a million. Like this guy's been all over the place. Like he had strict control over it. Then he said, I have all the control. No one's touching it. Then it was like, fuck it, do whatever you want. And then I'm selling this shit to Disney. That's basically how Lucas has treated the, the Star Wars franchise. They didn't have to build that museum in Chicago after all. Yeah. So I'm going to um, ask you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's literally how, how he's treated Star Wars. So, um, so I remember really enjoying the solo books um, when I was a kid. And I, I think the thing that to me is intriguing about this is that um, Han Solo has the the least backstory given. So, I mean, I'm not going to get into all the novels or, or whatever, and I'm sure there's someone that could correct me on this. But what do we really know from the movies? He was a smuggler that ran afoul of a gangster and gets sucked into this, right? So there's some story behind him that we really don't know. Because with Luke, we meet him when he's really young. With Leia, you kind of make some assumptions, right? She grew up as a princess. Right. You know what I mean? But Han was older than them and has a potentially rich backstory that we'll get that will add to the mythos of Han Solo. Where Rogue mm. One was a whole bunch of new characters. And apparently there's a little bit of Leia in it and a little bit of Darth Vader or, or whatnot. But really... It was all focused on these new characters. So Solo yeah. is going to be the first look into the past that that may um, show us some some things about what my favorite character in, in all of Star Wars. So I, I, I'm I'm cautiously hopeful for this movie. I guess is probably the best way to put it. It's a good outlook. You don't got to wait long either. Apparently, it's coming out in like May. That's weird. All the other ones have been like December, like pre Christmas releases, right? And then this one is yeah, it's breaking is, the mold. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, Disney's like, man, we're gonna bang one of these out every two and a half months till uh, till people stop going to see them <laughs> until the well goes dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Howard, right? Wasn't he the guy who came on to direct after it went to shit? Yes, I believe that's true. Yeah, there you go, Ron Howard. While we're on movies um, from books made by people that we've talked, so this kind of cool because all three of these movies that we kind of wanted to, to talk about and. And, you know, whatever, they have news or, or whatnot or, or people we've actually had on the podcast, which is really cool. Right. So um, uh, Annihilation, like two weeks from now, right? Isn't that coming out like at the end of February or beginning of March or something? Yeah, it's like the last week in February. Now that I heard had some kind of turbulence around it, if I'm not mistaken. And you might know a little more than, than me on this, but um, wasn't it they didn't like the ending of the movie and now Ooh, it's not getting an this. international release. Yeah, there was some stuff going on, I think. So, again, I may have imagined this. Rob may be Googling things while I'm explaining this to make sure it's even close to right. I think that the director was asked to change to the ending of the movie. And he was like, nope. So they were <laughs> like, well, we're not going to release this internationally. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, well. Yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, sometimes you take a stand and it just doesn't go the way you want it to. Um I don't see any. I didn't pull up any like quick articles. Um, it's just like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. So I don't see anything specific about that. I didn't hear that, but that's kind of sucky. But um, I will say so on the topic of the movie, though. A, I hope that's not the case because Jeff Vandermeer was really cool, and the book was good, and I, you know, we want to see it succeed. I at least I do. But. Um, there's a little, there's a couple of years in between us reading it and this movie coming out and watching the trailer. I was like, oh yeah, this is way more exciting than I imagined an adaptation of this book was going to be. 
I don't know how you feel. Yeah, it, it does look like there's more going on than I remember. Yeah, if I attributed sense. it to my poor memory of it, but um, mm-hmm. like it, it gave me so having read the book and like so often being disappointed by adaptations, like the the trailer really you know gave me hope that it was going to be an exciting and an interesting book because it it doesn't seem like they're shying away from the weird, which like there's a lot of weird. It, that's a, it's a weird. It's a straight mm-hmm. up weird book. So um, I was worried that they were going to kind of like try and make it mainstream and kind of strip like the uniqueness out of it. But I don't know. It looks interesting. Here is some um, information I will um, partially correct myself. It is not getting a theatrical rollout in the international release. Oh. It was the rights internationally were sold to Netflix. Okay. So it will have an international audience. Sure. Which is yeah, not yeah, in yeah. theaters. Yep. Paramount sold <laughs> the rights to them in December. The arrangement is particularly unheard of for a major studio since it openly acknowledges that Paramount doesn't think the film will make money. Ouch. <laughs> They're like, well, here's this dog. Give us money for it. Oh, you know, though, like these are the kind of things you probably don't want to say. Like, like, like it's like self-fulfilling prophecy or prophecy, right? Like, yes, this could make money and people could just uh, there could be a groundswell of support for this. And, and six months from now, you know, you won't know anybody who hasn't seen it. When the movie theater's like, we don't think we're going to make any money yeah. on this one, and says that essentially publicly. Yeah, it's not doesn't bode well. That makes me question if I want to go see it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I yeah, that's a, that's kind of um, kind of weird. But yeah, I did also. I believe I read something. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, according to Hollywood Reporter, uh, blah blah blah. Paramount sold the rights. Indicated the film might be. In quotes, too intellectual for general audiences. Oh, so that means I'm going to love it. Yeah. And so essentially they said, we're not going to make any money because people are stupid. Yeah. This Paramount's killing it with their, <laughs> like, what the fuck, <laughs> they're, they're putting it right on front street. They're like, yeah, you're too dumb for this movie. Oh yeah. So uh, I'll source my stuff. It's from the Atlantic.com, which I believe to be a reputable uh, yeah. source. Unlike whatever, news. unlike during the Valentine's Day episode when I gave a bunch of information from the <laughs> British version of the Inquirer. Yeah, or didn't I use um, dumblaws.com? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Not as reputable as the the Atlantic. Um, yeah. So I think we originally chatted off offline about the idea of reviewing the movie. This this development makes me m- more excited and nervous at the prospect of doing an episode of reviewing that movie. All right. So I'm not opposed <laughs> to doing that, but I want you to remind, you know, I have a terrible memory, right? Of course. I, I remember Annihilation. I don't know that I could remember it well enough to, to do a book versus movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, all you have to do is go back and listen to our review of it. And then that's an excellent idea. <laughs> Anybody who's on, on the fence about uh, watching this movie should go back and read our, or listen to our review of it. And the third movie, not necessarily news, but um, very, very excited. Uh, and I know we've talked about it here on the podcast, but uh, Bird Box by Josh Mallerman. Hell yeah. I, I don't, I mean, is way, they may be done shooting. He's been posting photos from the set for weeks now. Um, I think that might be really close to, to being actually complete, which I am very excited about. Yeah, like there was this moment in time and it was probably what, like... Um like two, three weeks ago, maybe a month where he flew out there and like, yeah, his social media was just lit up with like, this is me on the set. This is, you know, all that kind of thing. And that was cool. 
Um, but then like just the other day, it was like a couple days ago on Instagram, he posted, and I don't know if you hit up the Instagram very often, but, um, he posted a picture of, um, and I didn't know this, Sand- I knew Sandra Bullock was in it, but Sarah Paulson mm-hmm. is, is apparently, I didn't know she was in it and like, I think she's in it. Yeah. They're on the set unless she's <laughs> yes. just like Sarah Paulson just drops into visits, you know, Sandra Bullock. Um, so like, yeah, those kind of like candid, like set shots and stuff like that. And then there was one online where it was her, Sandra Bullock in the boat with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, yeah, so it's real. I did know Sarah Paulson was in it. What I didn't know until 10 seconds ago is I'm staring at a computer screen is that John Malkovich is also in it. Mm. Yeah. There's that's, not a lot of characters like, yeah, but that's pretty hefty band. John Malkovich, Sandra Bullock. That's some heavy that's, hitters. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah Paulson's really coming into her own with like American horror story and all the Ryan Murphy shows right now. So she's kind of a big name too. Also machine gun Kelly, which is apparently this guy's name. Do you, do you know who machine gun Kelly is? No. Also a guy named <laughs> Should machine I search gun for that? Kelly, who has, he's a rapper. Oh, Barely. there's MachineGunKelly.com. I guess this is probably... Is it a white <laughs> dude with spikes in his hands? Uh, he has a lot of tattoos in the picture I'm looking Photos. at. Uh, is he, like, bleach blonde, maybe? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, great. So uh, he's in it, too. Machine Gun Kelly. Great. Um, kind of yeah, looks like a little bitch. Now. Huh? He kind of looks like a little bitch. He might be a little bitch. Yeah. He might also kick our asses for saying he's a little bitch. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the release on this one, though, ooh, December 21st, 2018. We've got a long way to go on this one. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Annihilation will tide us over. Uh, Donnie Brook's got to be coming out at some point, too. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie Brook, we talked about um, at length recently with Frank Bill, just, uh, I don't know, six episodes ago or so. So, yeah, it's it's. It's really cool to see these guys. Um, now, now for me, I mean, and, and I think you think the same thing, and maybe they do too. They write a book, and the book is great, right? And maybe it's successful, which is even better. And then the movie is like the next step, but really, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think the achievement is writing the great story. Yeah, I mean, them. yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, anything else aside from that is, like, you know, uh extra like a little extra it's not the goal that's how i see it i would have to imagine though in some cases you make more money with the movie than you do with the that's what i don't know have we talked about this before is like whenever i'm talking to when so when people discover that i review books and they're a writer obviously you know that that's a giant conversation like you you have the same thing Mm -hmm. i we talked about that recently but like the, the the straight up legit advice that I give people is if you want to make money as a writer, video games. Yeah. Write, write for video games because the novel game is fucking. What is that? Did you, you seen the movie Blade? Yes. The end when he like when he beats the bad guy and he's like, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yep. That's writing. Yeah. <laughs> That's being an author. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the goal is to be Stephen King, right? Yeah. Because if not, you're grinding out books under other people's names to to make like a good living um, or to sell it. So, you know, again, what hopefully will happen for um, for all of these guys, every guy that we mentioned so far is 
the movie's a huge success. People go back, buy their books. The books sell more, and then someone options the other books that they wrote. You know what I mean? And it yep. becomes a cycle. It becomes a Stephen King cycle. Stephen King writes a grocery list, and someone offers him like $30,000 to make a movie out of it. Yeah. So Yeah, or you get a series or, or something like that. Like, like. I think movie adaptations are great, but it's a one-time thing. But if you're if you get adapted into a TV show and it hits, you have consistent income for years on that. Yeah, yeah. So that's very true. All right, so uh, here we are, hopeful for um, four Frank Bill's movie too, Donnie Brook. Four really good movie adaptations, but over the years, it <laughs> seems like movie adaptations don't do very well. Is that is that do you feel that way too? I mean, there's definitely been some flops. I think you've got a list of you got some flops. I'm 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 going off my off the cuff, so I don't have any ready. But I think you're ready to talk about some fl- flops. I do, and mine are mine are a little weird. So I, I had three that I was thinking about earlier today, and of course I didn't have the the common sense to write them down. So I remember two of them. And I have a third one that's really kind of in a weird category. Now bear with me. Rob's gonna eye roll, and and I'm sure some of you listeners will too. And I'm going to explain this. My first, I don't want to say flop. It's not that it flopped. It actually did very well financially. But the first bad adaptation that came to mind, and for me, by the way, these are ones where I've actually read the book and saw the movie, so I'm not guessing at one or the other. Twilight was not a good adaptation. (laughs) Wow. Um... Now, I say that, and and Rob knows my feelings on Twilight. I think Twilight was an okay series. And, and now, you know, people call me a misogynist and, and whatever. Like, that's fine. I don't care. I, I thought the books were fun. I, I enjoyed them. But when they made them into movies, they tried to add an element that was darker that didn't fit. Mm. So um, what's her name that's in that? Um, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Only, and I think we may have talked about this on the podcast, only played her role well in the second book. When her character was essentially suicidal, because Kristen Stewart only plays one role. She plays like she she looks like the cutter who's always suicidal. Yeah. That bit in book two. But for book one specifically, I just thought that that it was it was too murky and too dark and it didn't really fit um, what I knew of a book that I had read. You know, I don't say really recently at the point that came out, but maybe a year, year and a half before. And it didn't have the kind of fun, cute element that the novel did. So um, that's that's something to get for my my first like kind of not good adaptation of a of hmm. a book. Well, of course, that immediately brings to mind the Fifty Shades of Grey um, book slash movie. Now I didn't watch the movie, but everybody knows we read more than one version of the book <laughs> on purpose. And um, so, did you see the movie the first for the first book? I saw most of the the yeah. movie for the first. Like I fell asleep probably two thirds of the way, and that was a great adaptation. It was <laughs> as terrible as the book. Great, so it yeah. stayed true to the awfulness of the book. There you go. Honestly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's the weird thing, right? Like, I think Twilight was a great book, but it had a bad adaptation. Fifty Shades of Grey. I, I felt like I was reading the book again. I mean, it was you know, so just as shitty okay good if if i think about it though i think that 50 shades of gray had a little bit of that same twilight thing going where the character in the book was supposed to be a little more cutesy and i don't think she was too serious yeah and i don't think she pulled off the movie so i think maybe in that way it kind of suffered from the same 
from the yeah. same thing. I just think that Bella was very poorly portrayed in Twilight. Gotcha. Um, one one came to mind while you were talking about um, Twilight, and I want I I, I want to know where you land on this because you and I I think have different opinions on this, but um, the book being um, the Club Dumas. And the movie being The Ninth Gate, the Roman Polanski film. Um, the Club du Monster is written by Alexander Perez Reverte, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you enjoyed the book. I loved the book. And so did I. And you you introduced me to the book. Um, but I had already seen the movie. <laughs> and I think that's how it came oh, up. Oh, that's weird. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think it um, came up because I was a big fan of The Ninth Gate, the movie. And in conversation, you brought up, I'm sure you brought up Club Dumas because you, you know, you enjoyed the book mm-hmm. and it was only in conversation we discovered I'd already seen the movie. But, um, uh, I then read, you know, so after, you know, being, after liking the ninth gate as its own entity, not knowing that it was, you know, inspired by a different story, read the book and I, you know, obviously really enjoyed it. Um, so for me, like they will always be, they'll be forever separated in my mind. Like, it wasn't that one was inspired by the other. And that's a weird thing. Like, I think my mind compartmentalizes them so that they're just like, there's no connection between the two of them. Well, you know, that's a that one's an interesting one. And I'm so if I I would have thought of that, I would have definitely put that on the on the bad list. (laughs) Um, Well, the reason is that that story was changed significantly from the book to the movie. And um, for for anybody who hasn't read the book or or seen the movie or whatever. Some of this might not make sense, but you know, there was that whole weird guild of people in there who had named themselves after, um, after, uh, Alexandre Dumas characters. Right. Yeah. Like that whole element was completely absent from the, which is why they couldn't call it the club Dumas. Right. Cause right. it would have made absolutely no fucking sense. <laughs> Cause there was no club Dumas. Yeah. 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 So they took out like what, what, I thought was one of the most endearing elements of the book when they did the movie. So I was hugely disappointed um, with that. And you know how you said they're forever separate. I, I don't know if someone says the ninth gate to me anymore that I even think about the club Dumas. I think that they were so different for me yeah. that there's a different reason that I treat them as individual <laughs> entities. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird one because the movie and the, the book are so starkly different. Like you said, um, to the point where, like, it's almost as if, and I believe this is actually what happened. I don't have any kind of like evidence, but like, they saw something in the book, and they're like, "We're gonna take this and make it a story." Instead of just saying we're gonna adapt the book, they were like, "We're gonna we're gonna take this part that we like, this devilly book kind of thing, and and turn it into a movie." Uh, yeah, I um, yeah, yeah, but the yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Now, now you've got me back in that mindset. Oh, no. I'm just not angry. I was about all that. <laughs> um, I need to read more of his stuff. I'm glad you brought him up because I haven't given him any thought. Arturo Perez Reverte? Uh, yeah. My I God. really enjoyed I read uh, like four or five of his books and really enjoyed them. And, and the, perhaps there are more by now. But he had one some point had started writing that series, right, where it was about the captain in the Spanish army. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I read the first one and it didn't. I don't know. It, it well, wasn't bad, but it just didn't grab me. Yeah, he did. It was the Captain Alatriste. Um, That's the one. Series. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, he really ran with that, uh, and I think that like, I I, I, mean, I would imagine like once he latched onto like a like a good book series, that's an easy way to get a publisher to keep buying your stuff instead of like having them take a gamble on whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's my speculation, but like, there's a good number of books that he wrote before that Captain Alatrist series. Like the Seville Communion was awesome. The Flanders panel was incredible. Yes, that was. I think that was the first one I read was the Flanders panel. Yeah, that was very. Um, there's a handful. Um, Club Dumas, very good. I didn't read Queen of the South. Um, but apparently that's adapted into a USA TV series. I didn't know that. That's weird. Wow. Listen, nothing good is on USA. Yeah, that's a good point. But nothing, um, nothing good is on USA. If anybody wants good historical fiction, so like take Dan Brown, uh, and take out the shitty like character writing, put in good character writing plus a great historical fiction kind of thing. That's like what Artel Preserverte does very, very well. I would, uh, I would have to agree with that statement. Yeah. So, um, and then, very similarly, um, one one kind of plays into the other. And I know I'm getting off on a way big tangent, but another, like coincidentally, Spanish author who does historical fiction, but with more of a literary kind of push to it, is um, Carlos Ruiz Zafon who wrote um, The Shadow of the Wind, and then there's a few other books he wrote, but um, Shadow of the Wind is one I bought, one I, the one I read. Great, great storytelling and awesome, like, historical fiction, but, like, in that kind of Dan Brown way, again, where, like, a book from uh, 300 years ago is causing problems, like, in the modern day and stuff like that, like, those types of things. That's why all books should be e-books, and then they wouldn't cause problems anymore. <sighs> Someone's going to write that story. That's what we are, just a, 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 a fount of ideas for people when they listen to this podcast. Um, I stand, I want to go back to my list. I, stand, I want to correct myself because this next one I did not see the movie, but I'm going to explain mm. uh, the basis for which I'm saying it's a terrible adaptation. So, um, fuck me, I don't even know where to start. The Dark Tower movie. Oh, is all right. So I'm interested to hear because I haven't read any any of that. There's multiple books, right? Mm, eight. I haven't read any of the books, and I did not see the movie. Yeah. However, my brother was talking a lot about it, and he's read and seen the movie. So I want to hear. I want to hear your thoughts. So I have not seen the movie. So I'm I'm going to operate sadly in a way that I hate from a from a a, a, a standpoint of of having very little knowledge about the thing the things I'm going to compare. Um, it's my favorite series ever, and, and when I say that, I mean I don't like. I think it's it's. I find it hard to believe that there's a series out there that's written better than that. That's more epic and written better. And again, you know, how many series like that have I read? I, I don't know a few. I don't have <laughs> knowledge of all of them, but right, right. I can just tell you that there's some magical shit that happens in the series that, and, and I mean that from a writing stand, there's actual magical shit, but I mean, from a writing standpoint <laughs> that uh, I, I would, I, I, I'm very doubtful that somebody else has been able to do it this well. And I think that a lot of people who have read The Dark Tower will will echo that um, that that sentiment. And, and there was this thing was in development fucking forever. There's a good chance that this might have been reverting back. And I don't know. I have any information on that because that's what they presented and what I've seen and things I've heard from from credible sources who are who are also big fans. I believe that the the movie just does it. so. Let's take a step back. They announce a movie, and then I go, oh, all right, because they had talked about doing a TV series. Then they talked about doing like a weird mixed media thing, where it'd be like the first one would be a movie, then there would be several seasons of a TV show, then a movie, then maybe an animated season, like you know, like all this weird yeah. shit going on around it. And 
there's enough content to do that. And finally, they're like, oh, we're doing a movie. And I get really excited. And they're like, we're going to have Idris Elba in it. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting choice, but I'm really excited because I can see him as Roland. Um, then they announce, what's his name, uh, that crazy guy from McConaughey. Uh, McConaughey. And I'm like, I can see him in this too. And then that first fucking trailer comes out. And I'm like, I don't know where this movie is taking place because it's not taking place anywhere in that first book Yeah, of the series. Uh, this looks like maybe a little bit of book two, but then there are other elements that are completely missing from, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems like a little bit like what you said about the ninth gate, <laughs> like they took the characters and there's like, there's some good stuff here. So we'll go ahead and do this, but we're going to do it completely differently. So I'm, I'm going to break down and watch it eventually, but I can almost guarantee you that I will just be bitterly angry for two hours and 12 minutes or however long that fucking movie is uh, about, <laughs> about the adaptation. And, and I have heard this, the Reddit forums and, and people I know who have read the books and seen it. And, and I, I feel like I'm just setting myself up for, you know, for a fall by, by going or you know, whatever renting this movie at this point but yeah it, it does not look like anything remotely resembling what i think is is one of the best overall stories um that i've ever read so i have a quite i have a couple of questions um so it's you don't necessarily from the trailers you can't really tell where within the timeline of the story that this takes place is that is it accurate or if it even does take place within the timeline of the book? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Um, th that first book, the gunslinger, um, which this would be heavily based on that. I, I would imagine the yeah. beginning of the story, right. Um, all kind of takes place out in the desert, but in this trailer, there's like fucking buildings and skyscrapers. Yeah. And, so there is some of that. If memory serves correctly in book two, but when those elements occur in book two, there are a bunch of others. So they would have to have more cast. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, there's, there's like other surrounding characters. And a, a good 95% of that book takes place in, in this kind of alternate universe, maybe is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, it's all kind of like Western style deserts, small towns and shit like that. And this all looked like. I don't know, almost like dystopian future skyscrapers. Like I'm, I'm not clear on what story they're trying to tell from from the trailer at all. And then, and I don't remember because my brother was telling me this. He told me a couple of times, and I just didn't understand the story well enough to to know what he was talking about. But like, is there some sort of like magical item or a special item that like is needed or necessary or some point used? Like, uh, by the good guy. No, no, not really. Huh. All right. Not necessarily magical, but like a pivotal thing. Like nothing. No, right. I don't know. All right. I don't know. What you're about. Anyway, my <laughs> brother made it sound to me. What he made it sound like was that this it's a satisfying story. If you think of it as and I can't remember if he said of like a, a sequel or a prequel or like sitting outside of like the books, like not being part of the books, but being like mm -hmm. a different thing that adds to the overall story is what he made it sound like. And yeah. And I, I could, I could, I could see what he's saying. Cause like I said, it doesn't, from what I saw of it, it just doesn't fit. It, it's not an adaptation, Yeah, but, but you're right. This could be like the unseen scene, you know, yeah. um, to, to, to give you the setup and, and what I think he might mean is um, when the gunslinger starts uh, Roland, the gunslinger is following 
the the villain of the book through the desert. He's trying to catch him. Yeah. So they already have kind of a history because he's trying to catch the guy, right? So if you're telling me a story that's from before that, <laughs> then that's cool. But then say, hey, this is a prequel, not right. You know what I mean? Like, like we've got a whole. I, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it was. I, I'd heard so so many people shitting on it. My brother had such a like a positive reaction to it that I was like, well, there's got to be something to this. But I'm just too dumb to remember what he told me. So, or you know, worried about spoiling it. But yeah, I um, I, I you know, I, I don't know that I'll ever go back and read the books. And and I guess I guess there's there's nine books because they, they later on there is a book that takes place in the middle of the series. Yeah. But that is um, unrelated. It's really the gunslinger recalling a story to, to his, the people he's traveling with. So, you know, you don't have to have it. It was nice to kind of revisit with him, but it's not part of the, you know, the overall story of the dark tower. I remember early in the booked history, um, you being very excited about some incarnation of this, uh, this release where Javier Bardem was attached. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like at one point, I, Javier I, I Bardem do. was going to yeah. be in it. Yeah, yeah, and, so and I, at that point, I think they were still talking about, and and it was a long time ago. But I think at that point, maybe Game of Thrones was already out, and I was picturing uh, this yeah. eight season, you know, sprawling story, you know, eighty episodes or whatever, ninety episodes on HBO or something. And and I thought, yeah, yeah this could be this could be something. This is this is the way you tell this kind of story. And to boil that down to two hours, Ugh. <laughs> that's a bummer. Yeah, it is. Um, so going into my my last one on my list, and this one's a little weird because this was a this is the exact opposite. This was a great book adaptation of a kind of not so good movie. And I know Rob's with me uh, on this. Yeah, say no more. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Lords of Salem. <laughs> <laughs> had a better adaptation. The book was a better adaptation of the movie than, um, than, you know, which is typically not the yeah. case. Right. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, fully agree. And like, we got to the book. No, we saw the, no, we got to the book before the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we read the novelization, then saw the movie. Ultimately we're disappointed by the movie. I was thinking about Lords of Salem yesterday uh, for entirely different reasons, because I was, I was listening to some uh, White Zombie on my drive home from work. Mm -hmm. And as I continue, I was thinking about just like the band in general. And I was thinking, what if Lords of Salem was like some sort of weird like Rob Zombie fever dream where he basically was writing the story of his band, but like made it all fucked up with witches because they have that record that they send to the mm -hmm. radio station that makes everybody go crazy and have sex and kill each other and stuff. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I, I like it as a thought. You know, that, that does, man, I just, there's been a couple of things that popped up online and, and I'm going to try to um, correlate this back to what you said. There, I, oh, probably over the last month, and I'm not a huge video game guy. I do play one video game religiously, but I don't play a lot of different video games. But I've noticed, and there was an article, and I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, but they were like, oh, this person tried for nine years to like get past this boss without having to fight him and finally <laughs> did it. 
And then there was another one that was something about someone unlocked some code in a game that's been out for like six years, like this hidden thing in a game, you know, that kind of thing. So you almost wonder, does a, a, a director a writer for a movie put in an Easter egg and then just never tell anybody about it. And right. someone stumbles across it. So now someone's telling Rob zombie, like, Hey, these guys were talking about your movie and they said this. And he's like, man, that guy fucking nailed it. That's exactly <laughs> what I was hoping people would understand about it, but nobody got it. You know, I, I don't know if that happens with movies and or books. Um, apparently weird shit like that happens in video games. Uh, and we're starting to see more and more of that. That's kind of cool. And like, as a creator, there's got to be some sort of like satisfaction to like, because I think that a lot of times as a creator, you just kind of hope people get it, but like planting an Easter egg that like takes a specific understanding in order to like to, to realize it is like, you really, the only way to like one of the few ways I'm guessing to actually know that people understand what you were doing. So that's, that's a cool idea. Yeah, too bad we don't have Caleb Ross around. He probably knows about all these all these things. Oh, him and his video games. Good lord. Him and his video um, games. Anybody uh, friends with Rob Zombie, uh, and and listen to this, float that idea, and uh, get back to me and let me know what he says. And then tell him we'd love to be extras in his new movie. Yeah, yeah, I'll play a midget clown. Do, do you not know what his <laughs> new movie is? No. Oh, the sequel to. Yeah. Now there. All right. So let's talk about that for a second because, like, it. <laughs> I thought, and I might just be remembering this wrong because I haven't seen The Devil's Rejects in a while. Didn't they die at the end of that movie? They were definitely in the process of dying at the end of that movie. But we don't have like legit, concrete proof that they died. I don't believe so. All right. They were they were being shot at and they were taking bullets and they were taking a lot of bullets. Yeah. Like a uh, death amount of bullets. Sure. Here's what I'm going to say. I love <laughs> the Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Love House of a Thousand Corpses. Um no, I don't expect a sequel to The Devil's Rejects to be any good, but I'm still going to be really fucking excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um did you see his Halloween movies? Uh, I saw the first one, yeah. and I thought it was terrible. Yeah. Um, well, and then we already we reviewed thirty ones. So we're not just talking about that, but yeah, I would definitely go see a Devil's Reject, like the fucking opening scene of Devil's Rejects, where he's just dragging that dead woman through the woods. Come mm-hmm. on, that is so good. So so good, and I'll, I mean, I'll watch Cherry Moon Zombie and anything. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's even. Really- the the Easter egg appearance for her for me was um well not Easter egg but like like the double take was in Californication. Yeah. Yep. That was good. Yeah. So um yeah, but that uh had news recently that uh it looks like production will begin this spring. Excellent. The so. Firefly, isn't that the name of the family? The Fireflies? Yes, yes. <laughs> the, yeah. This name though. Allegedly titled The Devil's Rejects Two, Three from Hell. Hmm. The Devil's Rejects 2, 3 from Hell. Yeah, that doesn't read well. <laughs> no. And, or maybe and, it reads well, but it doesn't sound well. And, and, and the, pro, the other issue I have with it is that this is really the third movie in a trilogy. Yeah. It's, so it's not, not The Devil's part Rejects two. 2 as much yeah. as it is part 3 of House of a Thousand Corpses. I don't know. At yeah. any rate, I will say that's interesting that he went from 
House of a Thousand Corpses, which is a straight up horror movie, like an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre horror movie. Yep. And then turned it into a like on the run crime. Yeah. Movie. Like it's it's an interesting transition. Yeah. It was so. a real send up of of I, I don't know, probably multiple genres, but like yeah. yeah, interested to see where that goes. All right. Um for movies, I, I do you have any good ones? Do you have any good like you felt were 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 good um adaptations of movies from books that you'd read? <laughs> I'm going to give you one, and you're just going to be so angry that you're going to move on, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> Tell me about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Now, that was a, a graphic novel, right? It was comic a series book? of six, yeah, comic okay. uh, graphic okay. novels, yeah. Okay. Um, adapted did you, into a book. I mean, Did you read those before you saw the movie? I read them after I saw the movie. Okay. All yeah, right. I didn't realize I when I saw the movie that there were. Um, books and there's obviously a lot that's different because it's like you know uh, six six books and obviously because they're comics they're not like it's not like a huge story you know discrepancy in the amount of story but there's differences and um, uh, I, Edgar Wright's style makes it difficult for me to like the books more than the movie the movie was just so fantastic but I'm such a fanboy that you know I don't know if you can trust my my opinion on that all right I've got I've got a handful. Um, but yeah. So, um, do you ever see primal fear? No. So primal fear is a fantastic movie that's based on an even better book. Um, I don't know that it pays to go to do it in the reverse. Cause there's kind of like a big reveal that, you know what I mean? Like kind of, I don't we'll spoil the story for you, for you to, you know, primal fear is worth watching a second time. Um, the book, you know, if you already kind of know, the ending i don't know that it's it's worth it to do it now but i will say that's probably i don't know the best adaptation of a book that i'm familiar with so i really like that one um the time traveler's wife not for the oh, fact yeah. that it's super true to the to the book like there are other elements in the book that didn't make it into the movie as often they don't because you know movies have to stay at that two hour or less mark essentially but I thought they portrayed the the love story part of it really well, and they made they tried to make it into kind of a chick flick and still maintain the time travel aspect. Um, I didn't think it was, uh, you know, there's some romantic stuff in the book, but there's other things too, and I thought that was really good. Um, Needful Things is probably mm. my favorite Stephen King adaptation of a of a you know book to a movie, and then Fight Club. Uh, now, Fight Club, I, I did do the reverse. I did see Fight Club. That's how I got turned on to Chuck Palahniuk. I saw Fight Club, and I said, holy shit, this is based on a book. I'm going to read this guy's other books. And then when I caught up with the, I don't know, four books or whatever that were out at that time, I, I went back and read Fight Club. Um, but I've read Fight Club twice, and I've seen the movie a dozen times. And, and I do think that it's a, it's a very good adaptation. So good call. Those are yeah. kind of my, uh, a few of my uh, favorite, um, you know, movie to book adaptations there's another one playing around in my brain a little while ago and i didn't write it down i don't remember what it is but yeah so those are some good ones if you want to do the book to movie thing that's the right way to do it so i had i had a moment of 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 panic when you started to list your good ones where i was thinking back to um there was one time where we had listeners submit um topics for us to talk about and one of them was like the best music videos of all time and we <laughs> it took us so long 
to get to like the good stuff. And we were just talking about such trash in the beginning that I was like, we're going to talk about these bullshit. Like to us, they're good, but like we're, we're missing like some real obvious, like, you know, out of the park, you know, winners. Um, so I was worried that that's where this was going to go, but I think you did. I think you did pretty well. It's uh, it's tough for me because if I see a movie, the likelihood of me going back and reading that book is very, very, very low. I fell so in love with Chuck Palahniuk's writing that it was worth it for me to then read the book. Because, again, I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume everyone's listening to seen Fight Club. There's a pretty major thing that happens at the end of that that really is a giveaway. And it's hard for you to view the story the same way once you know how it ends. Right. And that's not necessarily true for everything. That's your twist ending kind of story, right? Because other stories you go back and you just enjoy it for the dialogue or the scenes, you know, or, or whatever. But um, I typically, and that that's part of the problem, you know, like Stephen King, when people are like, oh, well, you know, did you read Christine? I'm like, no, because I saw the movie. Or did you read this? I'm like, no, because I saw the movie, <laughs> you know? So if I, if I, for some reason, saw a movie before, I read the book, The Chance to Be Going Back. I think it's only happened two or three times. Fight Club, um, um, First Blood, which actually was not a bad adaptation of a book to movie. Yeah. Um, was another one that I read after seeing the movie. But but there's only a handful. It's just not my thing. And I'm just going to say really quickly, like, don't get on us if you're like, oh, the color purple or like to kill a mockingbird or something like obvious. Obviously, come on. Like, I don't think we have to say those things. Like, everybody knows that there are like movies that are like time honored classics that came from books that are like, you know, cla- you know, did you see the color purple? No, no, but I know it was a <laughs> book and I know it was like <laughs> yeah. one of the, you know, more influ- influential mm. movies of what the 80s was it the 80s, 90s, 90s I 90s? would think, yeah. Oprah. So, no, I did not read nor see the color purple, but there, you know, I recognize like someone's going to come at us with the color purple and we're going to be like, come on. Don't give me that color purple nonsense. The, the, the color purple deniers is yeah. that going to be what we're for? Yeah, <laughs> I have not read it or seen the movie, so I can't comment either way on on the quality of either. Um, or the adaptation is really what we were talking about, though. So I mean, yeah. it's um, you know some of the ones like I, I look back and I think to myself like Needful Things was a good Stephen King book. I just think it was a great adaptation. Needful I don't think it was a great book. Yeah. Is one of the Stephen King books that I have read. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll straight up say that was a good book. Yeah, it was such a cool premise. For for people who may not know, I am I am not a big fan of Stephen King, but that book really nailed it. And when I talk to um, like people who are fans of Stephen King, that often comes up as um, like one of their favorite books. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. American Psycho. As far as like a book that got adapted into a movie, I was talking to someone about American oh, Psycho yeah. the other day, and um, we read it for the podcast. Um, I also watched it around the time of of um, the review, and excellent movie. I think the movie is great. Um, and is, I, I, is it a good adaptation? Yes, I think okay. it is. I think okay. it is. You've seen? I it. haven't seen it yet. Oh, so. that's right, you haven't. Yeah. I believe it is. Um, and people I've talked, I'm not a huge Brett Easton Ellis, Brett Easton Ellis fan. It's American Psycho is the only thing I've read. Some people get all like Chuck Palahniuk fanboy style for mm-hmm. Brett Easton Ellis. Um, so I am no authority on, on Brett Easton Ellis. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good adaptation from the book. Cool. There you go. Before now, we get off of movies, I will say I'm, I'm a little excited. Um, Sandman Slim. Yeah. 
um, has new Zoe's option back in like 2016. I, I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not. Um, but uh, the uh, they they have a, a director now. Uh, the guy who directed John Wick, I guess. Ooh, Stalski. Chad. Chad. No, Chad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that how you say it? St- yeah, Stalski. S T H E L S K I. Yeah. He is going to direct Sandman Slim. That's news from um, the day before yesterday. I think. Wow. So when you guys are hearing this, it's like a week old news, but. Yeah, Richard Cadry um, wrote Sandman Slim series. Um, you know, I, I, I fell I fell out with Sandman Slim, and this is uh, and maybe this is worth talking about. There are a few series that I've read, and then you know I look ah oh, the first book is so great, and the second book's really good, the third book's pretty good, and the fourth book like the the mythos keeps expanding, and you start to get and maybe we maybe. We saw a little bit of this recently in a book, but that series we know is coming to an end. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it, it Sandman Slim was great because the first story was um, kind of small, but then more characters and more elements got added and then more got added. So I think I read the first four and I got to the point where I, I couldn't crack open the fifth one. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to remember what the other series was that, that I, it's been, there's a few of them, but another one sticks out in my mind and that one was made into a TV show. Um, it was about a, like a paranormal investigator. Shit. I can't think of what it is. Uh, give me a minute. I'll come up with it. But yeah, so I'm excited about Sandman Slim, even though I'm no longer reading the series and I, I don't know that I'm going to ever read more of them again. Um, but I am excited at the premise of that first book being made into a movie. Very nice. Not familiar with it, but I'm I saw to... it was floating around on Facebook over the last couple of days. Like people getting really excited about that, and that's um, that's I saw the name floating around, and I just I didn't notice that it was um, Chad Stalski who's going to be directing that. He's he's a rising star right now, and that's an interesting story, maybe for another day. But like the dude who was, I think he's the guy who was. Um, Keanu Reeves stunt double, like for his entire life, and suddenly oh, now he's wow. like directing and you know directing writing and directing and, or not writing but he's directing movies. So that's just like this sudden jump. John Wick just kicked a door open for this dude. Yeah, I've I've still not seen the John Wick movies. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I'm not. Movies just aren't aren't for me. You haven't watched the, Tragedy uh, Girls either, have you? I started Tragedy Girls and fell asleep. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, the the TV shows, the Dresden Files. Does that mean oh, anything? Oh yeah, you? I heard of it. I never saw it. So I really liked the Dresden Files and and it was um I don't know, really kind of witty banter guy investigating supernatural stuff. But again, it's the same thing. Like every it was it was a little bit like what happened with True Blood. Do you remember when True Blood was just vampires? Yeah. And then werewolves and then fairies and then witches and then zombies. Like, it just continued to expand into, you know, more and more shit. And it got worse the longer it went. And that's, uh, yeah, the the main character, um, Harry Dresden, was a, he was he was like a wizard that worked as a private investigator. And the books mm-hmm. were really fun. But again, by the time you got into the fourth one, you, you know, you have this huge array of characters as they continue to introduce other entities and stuff. And that's kind of what happened uh, to me with Sandman Slim too. So Mm. yeah, but those first ones, man, you want to read fun stuff, go read whatever the first Dresden files um, book is. And then Sandman Slim for sure. Definitely enjoyable, enjoyable reads. Sweet. 
Um, one adaptation that um, I really only am bringing up because it's like a it's a timely thing, and um, I've seen a lot of people talking about it on the social medias lately is um, Altered Carbon, which is a Netflix uh, TV show that um, recently released. I think it was in the last week or two of when we're recording this. And I decided to just jump in and watch it uh, on on multiple recommendations. I got kind of right in front of it instead of being the guy that waits till three months after everybody loves it, you know, like I usually do. And um, so it's eight episodes, no, ten episodes. They're hour long, um, like this sci-fi kind of thing. And um, I have some problems with it, but overall, I think it was an okay thing. But apparently, it's it's an adapt. It's it's a season that's ad- adapted off of like the first book of like I think a three book series or something like that. Um, super sci-fi it takes place in the future, where like you can just slip from like you know this little disc kind of from one body to the next. Um, and this guy's got to investigate the murder of the guy who owns him it's really weird like but like since you can like come back in a different body he was killed but you know when he came back he's like oh shit who killed me so he finds this dude to investigate the murder i um i watched the first episode you know what's funny about that as you said you know it's kind of sci-fi which is the most understated thing i thought you said it was super sci-fi yeah i thought you said it was kind of a sci-fi well anyway all right i was thinking super sorry interesting thing is when you say it takes place in the future it's like it starts out in the future and then jumps even farther in the future right so <laughs> that the setup is happening and there's already this weird technology so it's already you know at least 50 years from now that it starts and then it jumps forward like 200 years right isn't that how long 250 like, the guys years are, yeah is yeah, whatever like kind of frozen state or whatever they do with them um you know i saw the first one i might go back and watch the rest of them visually very stunning yeah, visually, uh, it's is a really good looking. Uh, so like, all the elements of watching a TV show are good. Like it look, it's filmed well, um, and like action scenes are good. Like it's it's a well produced thing. I had some problems with the plot, but really, the, it didn't really start getting upsetting to me until like the last few episodes, and then I feel like a couple elements of the plot fell apart. But um, I have not read the book, so I don't know how I can I, I can't really compare it, but. Um, I think it's worth a watch if you just want. It, it's it's so sci-fi that you know the sci-fi parts of it kind of took me out of it. I'll be honest. I'm excited more and more about books turning into series because it's really the only way to do justice to some of the like these like bigger stories. Yeah, yeah, and that's the one thing that you know we talked about through you know throughout this kind of came up a few times is like you know you got to cram this into ninety fucking minutes. How are you going to do this great story justice in 90 minutes, but in eight hours? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Considering so many movies were based off of short stories, like stand by me was a short story like those, you know, that's very true. Yep. So yeah, if you have an entire novel, you need a little room to breathe with it. I agree with you. All right. Before we get out of here, um, next week will be a book review. We'll be reviewing Chicago by David Mamet. Yeah. Um, which is uh, takes place in Chicago, where Rob and I have both lived. Um, li- we both live near now, but have lived in at various times. So that's going to be kind of like a mobster mystery kind of thing, I think. Yeah, like correct. a whodunit. Yeah, so that's uh, I'm looking forward to that, reading a little hometown stuff. Um, but before we go, I guess we have a couple um, housekeeping issues. So first thing we want to mention, in our altruistic way, 
is that you should go vote at the This Is Horror Awards. And, and Rob knows. Rob right now is going, wow, he actually mentioned This Is Horror Awards. <laughs> This I can't this is very big of you, Livius. Yeah, yeah. So although this is the first year in which we are not nominated for podcast of the year, uh you should still go vote because there are I didn't I don't have it pulled up, but there we, we have some we have some horses in the race in that one. So I know there's some some really good stuff nominated there, uh, especially in the novel category. Um so you should definitely go cast your vote there and give those guys a listen. And then um, I'd like to say that we were remiss during our Valentine's Day episode. We, we I'd kind of started to, and then something came up or whatever. But we'd like to wish Frank Edler happy 100th episode to his Bazong podcast. Wow, 100 That's, episodes, uh, man! That's no joke. It's no joke. I mean, it's about a quarter of what we're up to. But oh I mean... my god, here we go! Listen, there are a lot of podcasts. <laughs> A lot of podcasts <laughs> that don't make it to a hundred. So uh, yeah. congratulations to Frank and his bizong. I'm trying to do my best Frank Edler here. Bizong podcast. Um, uh, keep going, yeah, man. Congrats, let's, dude. Let's, That's uh, awesome. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to congratulate you on 200. So he's doing that weekly. So it'll take him another two years. We'll see. But uh, good for him. So congratulations, Frank. All right. Congrats. I don't have any. You're you're Mr. Uh, Mr. Gregarious today. Yeah, um, well, yeah, yeah oh, I mean, you know. I want to actually do a follow-up on our review of uh, Another Way... What is it? Another Way to Fall? Mm, the uh, yes, Paul Tremblay, mm. uh, Brian Evanson book. One of the two books did get shipped out and was received by the, the new recipient, so Sean P. Ferguson, long-time friend of the podcast, um, reached out to us as we instructed and is the new recipient of that book. So I signed it. Uh, my copy, and um, I uh, threw a little couple stickers and stuff like that from the podcast, and I sent it along, and he received it today. Uh, the other book will be going out um, shortly, as I uh, have yet to acquire the address for the person I'm sending it to. Is it a shot at Adam? Shortly? <laughs> shortly. <laughs> yeah, so all right, so I, I wasn't necessarily going to out him as being the person who's <laughs> receiving the book, but Adam, whose legs don't work, will be receiving um, my copy of another way to fall, um, uh, probably going out on Monday. Adam, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance it's going out tomorrow or yesterday, depending on when you're listening. Excellent. So there you go. And they've already told us the like um, the, what their what their charitable donations are going to be and stuff. So that's cool. Oh, hold on a second. I need to know which one Adam's is going to be before I send him. Oh anything. wait, you know what? I don't know if he did. Sean did. All right. Sean, one upsman that he is, matched. Or is going to match each of our donations that we gave for the two books that we did. So he's going to do the same thing that we did collectively. See, this is what happens when you work for the government. You know, yeah, like you government getting, cash to throw yeah. around. Yeah, like a big fat cat. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. So uh, next week, Chicago, David Mamet, uh, the following week. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we do have our following week lined up already, too. And uh, that week, I'd expect an interview. So a book review, then a book review, then an interview, then maybe another book review. I don't know. We'll see. Until then, I'm Olivia Sneddon. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.